And we are back. What is good, sports world? How's it going tonight? Chris Dell here from Go Baller FFS and the Family Feud Sports Podcast. Here to bring you our Go Baller Triple Double Tuesday podcast. Sitting here with the Godfather, Mr. Alan Dell. Here to break down three topics in less than 10 minutes apiece. Talking about some NCAA hoops off our March Madness Insider Sweet 16 podcast yesterday, as well as some NBA talk and some NFL talk. And without further ado, going back to the brackets, we've got four games on Thursday, four games on Friday, and then two on Saturday, two on Sunday. By the end of the weekend, we will have a Final Four for the 2018 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Without further ado, Mr. Allen Dell, give me your breakdown, the number one game that you're looking forward to most, and one team that you think has the most chance to win it all right now. Well, let's go to Friday, excuse me, Thursday night first. Uh, a lot of good games on tap. I, I think the most interesting game, at least from my perspective, is uh, Kentucky-Kansas State. Uh, 935, third game of the the night. I mean, right now, Kentucky is my favorite to win that left side of the bracket. Uh, as I said the other night, I think they're the most talented team. They're playing with a lot of poise. And well, when you're saying they're the favorite, you're saying they're the favorite to get to the national title game. Yeah, national. I, I think they're the, the favorite. Well, absolutely to get out of the, the, the South. Like I said, they're playing with a lot of poise. They have a lot of freshmen that are now no longer freshmen, so to speak. So I, I like that game. That could tell us what, what's going to happen in this tournament. But there's a lot of other good games. you got Michigan, Texas A&M, and then the, the night kicks off at 7.05 with uh, Nevada versus uh, God's team, as, as Sister Jean is saying, Loyola, Chicago. So that's it's pretty hard to go up against God's team, but that's what a lot of people from uh, Loyola, Chicago. I, I like Loyola, Chicago. I mean, I go way back to when they had that one big year, a couple big years, excuse me, in the 60s, uh, the Stiff Brothers. And then they had a few years after that. And, and then the injury factor went with Bob Lanier. So. Well, Loyola, Chicago, this is the lowest-seeded team they've played all tournament. They started off with the opening round win over the six-seeded Miami Hurricanes. Then they beat the third-seeded Tennessee Volunteers. Now they're playing seventh-seeded Nevada Wolfpack and coach Eric Musselman and the Martin Twins over there. So this technically is the easiest game that Loyola, Chicago would have. And they're still the underdog in this game, so they definitely won't be a favorite no matter how far they advance in this tournament because they are the highest-seeded seed next to Syracuse, also a number 11. To me, that's the most intriguing game of the Sweet 16 matchup is Jim Beheim's zone defense going up against Coach Krzyzewski's clone zone defense that he's implemented on the Dukies this season. But sticking to Kentucky for a second, everyone wants to talk about all the pros that Michigan State had and they lost to Syracuse, all the pros that Duke has. Kentucky's got two guys that projected to go in the lottery this season, Kevin Knox and then Shy Gilgis Alexander, right? Alexander's the guard. You've been drooling over six foot six point guard, Kevin Knox, six foot nine, small forward, power forward. And then the shooting guard, Diallo, a six foot five freshman as well. I mean, that's three guys right there that are going to be surefire first round picks. And that's enough firepower to get to a national title game. Definitely on the left side of the bracket, we'll be seeing all four of those games take place uh, on Thursday, and then the east, the the right side of the bracket, we'll be seeing go down on Friday in those games. That's the East region and the Midwest region. I think Villanova, West Virginia, that, that that's a that that's a game that you could see in a Final Four, but it's happening in the Sweet Sixteen. 
These are two of the top teams in the country all year. West Virginia slipped a little bit late in the regular season. This will be the, f- the first true test your boy Bob Huggins has had yeah, in, well, in, in the tournament. The general feeling is Villanova has the best offense in the tournament of the 16 teams left, and West Virginia has the best defense. So uh, we'll see what happens on, on that. And what uh, West Virginia, they have to ch- shut down the three-point shooting of Villanova. They got four guys that are shooting over 40% um, from three-point land. So that's going to be a big key. See, if Villanova wins that, or let me just put it this way, the winner of Villanova-West Virginia, do you have making it to the Final Four? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so give me your pick. I just said, don't, don't give me a score or nothing. Who, do, who, you, who you got? What's your gut telling you, Villanova, Jay Wright versus Bob Huggins in West Virginia? Well, I'm, I'm going with the upset. I'm going with uh, the Hug, Huggy Bear. And I'm picking a Mountaineers. So you're picking the upset. It's official. It's official, yeah. Okay, so you got West Virginia beating Villanova and then moving on to the Final Four, beating either Texas Tech or Purdue in the Elite Eight. I got Duke. Well, yeah, I got also Duke beating uh, Syracuse on that side of the bracket, too. And and does that mean Duke goes or do they lose to Kansas in the Elite Eight? I think they'll beat Kansas. So you got Duke, West Virginia. You got who's Kentucky going to be playing in the Final Four down in the West region? Is it going to be Michigan? Is it going to be Texas A&M, yeah, Florida State, Gonzaga? I, I, I think it'll be the, the winner of that game. You know, Florida State's an interesting team. They're very athletic. They came through. But they were 4-6 and six finishing uh, the season, the, the regular season, including uh, conference tournament play. We'll get hot and at the right know, time. It's all about getting hot at the right time and poor coaching. Of that. That's the Willie Taggart magic, new football coach over there, bringing yeah, some did, luck over to the basketball well, side. Well, didn't help the women because they got knocked out. They got upset by Buffalo. That, by the way, Buffalo men got knocked out, but the women scored two upsets in, in their first two rounds. of the How, how about tournament. that? W- w- beating USF and Florida State back-to-back yeah, in the first State two rounds. And Florida State and Florida State. Yeah, both in the state of Florida. Mind you there. So you got Kentucky versus, you said what, Michigan? Michigan's your pick in, in the in the West region or yeah, what? I'll, I'll go with them. You know, it's a toss-up. Uh, you know, whoever wins that game with Texas A&M, I, I think is going to make it. But I'll, I'll go with Michigan. So no hope for Gonzaga making the Final Four. They're going to have trouble getting past uh, Florida State, I think. Yeah, I agree with you there. My pick, I got Kentucky as well coming out of the South region. Taking a look at the West region. I mean, Gonzaga is the favorite in terms of the highest uh, the highest seed with Michigan. That's the three, and the Gonzaga's the four. Man, I, I don't know. Something's telling me this Texas A&M team could be the Cinderella number seven seed that gets to the final four. For now, I'm going to go on the chalk side, save side, and also pick Michigan. I like Kentucky over Michigan in the final four matchup there. I got Villanova beating West Virginia as much as I want to see the underdog, the upset there, and the defense. Defense wins championships, quote-unquote. I like Villanova in that game. I like Texas Tech to get past Purdue. And I like Texas Tech to pull off the upset and make the Final Four in the East region. Going over to the Midwest, I like Kansas to come out of that. I think it's going to be a Big 12 matchup in the Final Four. Texas Tech versus Kansas. I got Kansas versus Kentucky in the finals right now. As much as I was thinking Duke the other day, I'm just not confident in Duke even getting past Syracuse the way they're playing right now on defense. So... It's going to be very interesting to see how this thing plays out. If Kentucky plays Kansas, regardless, if Kentucky plays Duke, Kentucky plays Kansas, I think Kentucky's going to win the whole damn thing. Your boy Coach Calipari is going to be saying, I told you so, to all the other people who are saying he's just a recruiter and not a good X's and O's basketball coach. But, hey, like I said, he's got three freshmen who are going to be first-round picks in this summer's NBA draft. You can't beat that. Let me ask you this. You talked about yesterday that coaching was the big ordeal for the teams that lost, like Virginia and Tony Bennett, like Sean Miller in Arizona. 
who has the best coach left? Is it Coach K? Is it Bayheim? Is it Jay Wright? Is it Huggins? You got a lot of legendary coaches still alive. Coach Cal, who are the top two coaches that you would take right now out of all the teams in the field? You, know, you, you can't dismiss Jim Beheim what he's done, and that, that's not a very good team he has. They're long. That 2-3 zone with the, with the long people, he's got the tallest team in the country. They drive people nuts. I think he might be the best coach, even though there's a good chance he's going to get knocked out uh, in the next game. Yep. But he does a fantastic, especially two years ago, he did the same thing. He made the Final Four when he got into the tournament. Nobody said he should. But there's a lot of good coaches out there. But, you look at it, but if you look at the mock draft board, Syracuse doesn't have a single player in the first or second round getting drafted this doesn't year. Matter. I'm just saying, that just goes to show you how good of a coaching job that's been all season. Virginia didn't have anybody, but maybe that's why they lost. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point right there. I mean, Villanova's obviously has Mikhail Bridges, projected top 10 pick in the draft. Uh, some really talented guys on the board. Even Texas Tech has a few draft prospects that are still alive. Yeah. Um, I know that Purdue, the Boilermaker, is calling on their engineering team to build uh, a, a new custom what elbow pad for their center, Isaac Haas. Yeah. He, we could be saying a return from him, even though they have another backup center that's seven foot three. I wouldn't be surprised to see Purdue shock the world and take this thing all the way. That's a that's a talented team right there, and they finally have the athletic guards to get it done like they haven't had in years past. And don't forget Cinderella. Loyola Chicago is Cinderella of this tournament, and Cinderella can never be counted out. Cinderella in the form of Sister Jean, baby. That 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 would be that's my personal fan favorite pick. I want to see the underdog. And you got two eleven, Syracuse and Loyola. Obviously, Loyola is the biggest underdog out of those two schools. Loyola has a better chance to win their game in the Sweet 16, so it's funny how that works out with the matchups there. But we're in for some exciting college basketball this week. That's for damn sure. We'll be right back with some more NBA and NFL talk here on Go Baller FFS, our triple-double podcast. Thanks for tuning in, Sports World. Welcome back, Sports World, to Go Baller FFS and our Tuesday triple-double podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dell, sitting here with the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, and talking about some good old-fashioned NBA basketball, getting very, very close to the NBA playoffs officially. Raptors pulling away in the East as the number one seed, and the Rockets starting to pull away with all the injuries to the Golden State Warriors. But what about LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers clinging on to the third seed in the Eastern Conference just a half game, one game in the loss column ahead of the Indiana Pacers, also one game ahead of the Wizards and the 76ers, so a very tight, sardine-type, pack-tight race in the Eastern Conference. Mr. Allen Dell, Tyron Lue taking a leave of absence to his health, Kevin Love coming back. Is that enough? Are the Cavaliers better without Lou? Will they be better with Kevin Love, and what are their real chances to do something in the playoffs this year? Well, I definitely think they're better with Kevin Love. Uh, LeBron's been waiting for him for a long time to come back from that broken hand. He looked good last night in his first game back, played 25 minutes, did a nice job on the boards, 18 points. Uh, and they look good. They beat a good Milwaukee team. It's been a while since they beat a team with a winning record. Uh, I know they need Tyrone Lou, but uh, Larry Drew is an experienced guy. He's been in the league a long time, so he looked very calm and composed. You know, last night in the game against Milwaukee, I, I, I like uh, Cleveland. Uh, I think they want that third spot. If they get the third spot in the in the final standings, that means 
In the second round, they would play Boston, and I think they'd rather play Boston in the second round, and that would leave Toronto playing the number four team, which could be Indiana or who knows what, because it's pretty close up there. So. Well, they've had Toronto's number, so I don't think they would mind playing Toronto in the second round. I think Toronto is 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 what really they really want the Cavaliers to finish third, so they can get to the conference finals. But Kyrie Irving is getting a second opinion on his sore left knee. So injuries are mounting all across the NBA. It was the Cavaliers. It actually seems like they're getting a little bit healthy right now for the first time in a while. Boston's got injuries. Golden State has injuries. But you look at the Western Conference moving in over there, and the Portland Trailblazers on an la- absolute tear. Winners of 13 in a row. Thunder, six in a row. Spurs, four in a row. Jazz, nine in a row. Utah's climbed all the way up to the sixth seed. Utah Jazz are two games out of the fourth seed. Could wind up getting home court advantage in the playoffs. They continue their run. That's a team that's peaking at the right time. Out of all those teams I mentioned there, the teams in the West outside of Houston and Golden State, which one actually has a chance to make, to make a run, in, my, in your opinion? I picked the Jazz. I'll tell you why in a minute, but I'll let you say yours first. Well, I, I like the Jazz. I think in Quinn Snyder, they have one of the best coaches in the NBA. So, and they play good defense. Smart basketball, they share the ball. Nobody cares who gets the points. It's it's hard not to like them, and it's tough to play in Utah in that thin air, the altitude. So uh, outside of that top two, uh, that could be a good move. I don't think the Clippers have enough to make a run. And, you know, obviously we're talking about Golden State and and Houston making that final round. But I like Utah. Utah might be the third-best team right now in the West. Some people are – Harping on uh, Oklahoma City, but I'm not sure about that. So, either. so Portland and Golden State, no chance for you for them oh, to, to know, make a run. I, I, yeah, Portland. I'm sorry, Portland and Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, uh, I, I don't like them. Portland, uh, they're on a run now. They're hot, but when they get in the playoffs, they, Damon Lillard, they're, Damon Lillard, they're going to put the clamps on him. They'll slow him down a little bit. And it's going to be a lot of problems. Uh, or, or just force him to score 50 a night and let the other guys beat you. That could be another tactic right there from the Blazers' opponents in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Oklahoma City, Paul George has taken five less shots a game this year than he did last year. And that means his bags are packed and he's ready to go after this season. OKC is stuck with Melo. He's got one year left on his contract after this season at $25 million, and there's no way any team in the league is going to pick him up for that money. Well, the, 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 how about the San Antonio no, man lands, no Man's Land Spurs? This team has a roster of guys that you couldn't name to save your life outside of Manu Ginobili, the elder statesman, Mr. Manu Ginobili. No LaMarcus Aldridge, no Kawhi Leonard, yet they're somehow 41-30, and 27-8 at home. Not so good on the road where they're 14 and 22, but maybe Coach Popovich's best coaching job of his career, at least in the regular season, that's for sure. So the Spurs still clinging on for dear life. Now, it looks like the Clippers and the Nuggets could wind up sliding out. They're, they're, uh, the Clippers have lost three games in a row. Nuggets have lost two in a row. They're both 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Obviously, the Timberwolves without Jimmy Butler are struggling a little bit, so I think if one team slips out, it could be them. Uh, the Pelicans still hanging tough at 40-30, and 30, and you got... One loss separating seed number four to seed number seven. Two losses between four and the eight. So just one hell of a race in the Western Conference. Can't remember when it was this close outside of the top two seeds. I think the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, as I said before, he reminds me of a young combination of what was in Michael Jordan, what was in Dwayne Wade. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Jordan by any means, but he has those type of intangibles, those skills. You combine the defense, the athleticism, his ability not just hit the outside shot, 
but drive to the basket. And then you throw in Rudy Gobert, maybe the best defensive center in the NBA. Ricky Rubio, maybe the best passing point guard in the NBA. Quinn Snyder, maybe the most underrated coach in the NBA. Talking about March Madness, Quinn Snyder in the past leading the Missouri Tigers uh, to the to uh, what the Elite Eight run as a 12 seed. So some impressive things going on in Utah, especially since they started out the season so poorly. I, as I said before, if they play the Houston Rockets, they're going to beat them in a seven-game series because of the defense and because of teamwork over jacking the ball from the outside, which, which is only what D'Antoni's teams do in the playoffs. Is there any other dark horse team that you have that we haven't talked about? Toronto, for example. No, no one still talks about them, no matter how good their record is. Well, I don't know. Toronto has to prove itself, and it hasn't been able to. They changed a lot of things this year. They're not so much one-on-one in their offense. But, you know, when you get into the playoffs and you're playing the same team, maybe six, seven games, you, you kind of revert back to your old ways because the other team makes adjustments. So that, that could happen again. We don't know. So are the Houston Rockets going to win the championship? I, I can't see it. I just can't see it happening. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just the D'Antoni, D'Antoni factor. The James Harden factor. Well, and who knows if Chris Paul be healthy. He gets hurt every year. It seems to be like clockwork. I was like, that's the only chance they really have is if Chris Paul stays healthy. But I I can't see it with D'Antoni's track record in the playoffs. The lack of defense from James Harden and their coach at the same time. But, man, it's impressive. 56-14. and They're 29-8 and on the road. That's a damn good road record. So they've shown they can go into any but building to win. But you still can't tell me that James Harden is MVP over LeBron James. I just don't Yeah, but, but in the NBA, unfortunately, it's usually the, the best player on the team with the best record that wins MVP when you look at a lot of years in the past. So I, I think that he's going to get it, even though I don't think he deserves it. We're going to wrap it up here with our NBA talk. Back with one final segment talking about some NFL football. Peace out. All right, here the final segment of our Go Baller Triple Double podcast here on Go Baller FFS, talking about some NFL football and the free agent frenzy that has taken over the headlines over this last month, obviously outside of March Madness, but big trade in terms of draft picks and future implications, franchise quarterbacks looking at the rest of the league. We now have the top three order of picks for this year's NFL draft. Browns still at number one, Giants at number two, and the New York Jets via the Indianapolis Colts trade, getting up to the number three pick. One of their top needs, obviously, is a quarterback. So, Mr. Allen Dell, without further ado, are the Jets going to draft a quarterback? And if they do, who will it be? Well, obviously, they are going to do it. And I have a, I grew up in a New York metropolitan area, Jets-Giants fan for a long time. But I haven't been this excited about a Jets quarterback since Joe Willie Namath quarterbacked them to their only Super Bowl championship. And I don't even know who their quarterback's going to be, but it seems like it's going to be Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. Myself, I hope it's Josh Rosen. I got a feeling he's going to turn out to be the best quarterback in this draft. He certainly has the skills. He's gotten some unwarranted criticism. Allegedly, he's too smart. He says things that bother people. But I, but I don't buy that. I mean, this is for the Jets. They're all set. They got Josh McCown as the bridge. He can play half the season. They even got Teddy Bridgewater in. I don't know why Teddy Bridgewater signed with the Jets. There's other teams he could have gone to because he's going to get lost there. I mean, well, he's just trying to stay on a team and stay healthy for right now. McCown's going to be the starter beginning of the season. He gets hurt all the time. If he makes it through half the season, great. But by that time, the uh, the quarterback. 
that they draft should be ready. And uh, again, I hope it's Josh Rosen, but if it's Sam Darnold, it's not going to be that bad. I don't think it's going to be Josh Allen. I got a feeling there's a lot of hype going around because uh, people in the media, they're getting bored, not much to talk about. It's to talk about Donald Rosen being one or two. That doesn't excite everybody. But then if you throw Josh Allen in, it gets everybody start flicking and arguing and so forth. So. I, I mean, I can see the Browns just haphazardly taking Josh Allen as the first pick with his quote-unquote potential and upside, thinking he's going to be the next big Ben Roethlisberger. But at the end of the day, Josh Rosen's the most NFL-ready quarterback, so to speak. Maybe Darnold has the most upside in terms of athleticism and what he can do on the field right now playing for a major program in USC. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. It's all up to the Browns. And then after the Browns make their pick, then I guess you could say the Jets take the next best quarterback after that. I still wouldn't count the Giants out for taking a quarterback well, at number two. Make a trade. There's a lot of talk that some team's going to want to move up and trade with the Giants, and, and they'll get a haul. If you're going to trade up to try to get number two, and, and they, the team you're trading to, in this case the Giants, knows you want a quarterback, then they're going to ask for the moon and some other stuff, too, to go along with it. So we don't know. And uh, and then all, all the all the uh, pickups that Cleveland's made, getting Tyrod Taylor as the quote-unquote bridge quarterback, signing Carlos Hyde from San Francisco, getting Jarvis Landry into the mix. I mean, this team's going to win some games next season. And I'm not saying they're going to win their division. I feel the Steelers are obviously the favorites there. They're going to be better than the Bengals. They're going to be better than the Ravens. The Cleveland Browns are going to be the second-best team in this division next year. I think they're going to finish 500, maybe even 9-7, and seven, maybe have a chance to sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. Tyrod Taylor, as I've said all year long and still say it now, the most underrated quarterback in the NFL is a franchise quarterback in the right system. He's a bridge because they have two picks in the top four. He could be a franchise quarterback for another team. Buffalo's organization and talent on that roster is absolutely awful. Tyrod Taylor was one of the only good players on that entire team. He was the only reason they were in the playoffs this past year. So let's move on from that topic right there. But it's gonna be, we could see three straight quarterbacks taken, and then what do, do the Browns go back to Barkley at number four, or do they take somebody else? I mean, it's not a guarantee that Barkley goes off the board in the top four uh, or five. Running now. backs are a dime a dozen. There's a lot of good running backs in this draft, so I don't know. Do they really want to? Waste the number one pick on, on, on a running back. Oh, I like Chubb from Georgia. I mean, you saw that guy play in the national championship game in the final four. That, that, that's, that guy's one hell of a talent, so I, I hear you when you say that. I wouldn't say Diamond doesn't, but there's definitely more than just one oh, stud running back. And as much as the running back position has been devalued in terms of contracts, I still think it's a hell of an important position. And you could see a couple star running backs in fantasy and in the NFL just overall next season really breaking some ground. Saquon Barkley, Chubb, uh, and a few other guys. So definitely be interesting to see. Your boy Rose, you got your fingers crossed for Rosen to go to the Jets, huh? You know what's interesting about the Giants? They may never be – it may be a long time before they're in a position to get a franchise quarterback again. Do they really want to blow it for Eli Manning? Maybe he's got – two or three years left and he was nothing but mediocre the last couple of years three four years so there there's a good claim they might change their mind and go for a quarterback uh, it's going to be Darnold or Rosen it seems like uh, it seems like this is the most that we've talked about for the NFL draft leading up to it in a long time it seems like this is one of the most highly anticipated NFL drafts we've, we've had in a while with all the quarterbacks with Barkley uh, a lot of things to be excited about once March Madness gets over with, once the NBA playoffs get underway, we're still going to be talking NFL football here on Go Baller FFS. We appreciate you guys and gals tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with our NCAA 
March Madness quick picks, breaking down all of our picks and scores for the Sweet 16 and beyond. Peace out, sports Go world. Cinderella. Go Josh Rosen. <laughs>